Matt Adams sitting in for our wonderful Pete Counter, who's taking some well-deserved time off. And we appreciate you being a part of the show today, this wonderful, wonderful winter wonderland. 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 Winter wonderland, right? So uh, glad to have you a part of the show. I hope you're able to keep yourself warm and cozy. <laughs> if ever there was that Dean Martin, baby, it's cold outside, this is it. Because it's bloody cold outside and getting worse. So, anyway, uh, last I saw, 230,000 folks without power, the wind, a little bit chilly and, and getting chillier every moment of the day. Down at the coast, by the way, from whence this is happening, 50-mile-an-hour winds blowing briskly everywhere. Birds are, like, you know, staying on the ground. So, we are, hope you were able to stay warm and happy and cozy and all that stuff. Now... Heading into the day, a lot to talk about today. Uh, thankful to be here. WBT, greatest radio station in the state of North Carolina, and probably the Carolinas for that matter. Fantastic staff, amazing folks. But need to uh, give you a lot of information heading into Christmas. Hope you're ready. Hope you're excited. We can say Christmas here. For those of you who don't celebrate, hey, happy holidays to you guys. But there's a lot of us that still care about Christmas. We will talk about the war on Christmas and how successful it has been. We will talk about the war on Christmas that we need to fight back against. We'll talk about that. But we knew, you know, if there were there was a bah humbug in the ointment today, it's it's Anthony Fauci playing the role of an unredeemable Ebenezer Scrooge. I was reading some stuff on Twitter. You know that that it's it's actually a story at the LA Times, and they're going back and looking at Fauci's you know illustrious career and you know the canonization of of of, of Fauci. But where it gets interesting is where he says, you know, Fauci's warning. This is how it was tweeted. Fauci's and and, and th- by the way, if you want to get on the conversation, seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. That's seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. Be a part of the broadcast here at News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three WBT. Now, having said that, here's what Fauci, the warning to America is. And this is just, it was it was posted yesterday, and it just stuck with me as I was going about the day yesterday and getting ready. We got family in. Hope you do. Hope you're able to be around family and friends, and you can tolerate them around the dinner table, and that you can stick around them just long enough that they get back to where they're going, and everyone's happy, and, and, and there isn't, you know, because we know everybody's family is at some level dysfunctional in some way. I've been blessed in life, wonderful, but still, you get those awkward moments. Now, here's what was said. Fauci's warning to America, and here's the quote, we're living in a progressively anti-science era, and that's a very dangerous thing. We're living in a progressively anti-science era, and that's a very dangerous thing. I, I don't want you to think about that because he didn't, it's not as if he projected that across a spectrum of of the world, he, but but he really did. That is the way many progressives feel. Because if you don't agree with the, if you don't agree with progressives, you're anti science. If you don't agree with progressives, you're you're anti every you're anti everything that they believe is good. If you want to argue science with them, they say it's settled. They say it's consensus. It's consensus that the Earth is the center of the universe. Consensus is correct. It's consensus that the earth is flat. Because consensus is not science. Science tests itself constantly. But here's the awkwardness of what I think Fauci said. 
that, that, that stymies me, crumples my imagination like a handkerchief after COVID. It is that science is happening every... We, we are at the cusp of sending people to Mars. We are testing hypersonic aircraft. We are... <laughs> we're using human T cells. We are removing them from the human body, training them, training them like hardcore militia, and then putting them back into your body to target cancer. To sit here and say these kind of things is just bizarre to me. We're looking at fusion as a, you know, they're, they're testing fusion that what powers the sun. To, to create power, as we're sitting here where you can barely crank up your thermostats. You know, Charlotte, Charlotteans are battling wind chills. And, and by the way, we'll get into wind chills in a moment. But think about the science, the efficiency, the things that are taking place with respect to your own homes. Look at the technology in your cars. And don't I'm not conflating technology and science, but they're, they're intermixed. The discussions about quantum physics, these things, to sit here and, and say that we're entering a progressively anti-science. And he's saying that. Remember, he said he represents science. So if you disagree with him, somehow you're wrong, even though he's changed his stance multiple times. Masks are not going to do any good. Masks are great. Now we're multiple masks, even though the package says it doesn't do a whole lot for you. But it, but it became dogma. And that's where I think, I think the correct thing for Fauci to say was we're entering a progressively rejection of science from the progressives that that's what i think i don't think i think they want to i mean even the climate change discussion here as we as we're arguing about a, a a polar vortex that came in literally on the first week of winter because weather's like that decades we haven't had anything like this in decades and and about wind chills i was looking at those wind chill factors are 10 1 minus 0 would it be neat if they did that in the summertime because here's what happens. In the wintertime, we exaggerate. So instead of giving the actual cold, which will be cold, 19 degrees, 18 degrees, even out at the coast, it's going to be 19. You know, Charlottean's like 10 degrees. But it will feel like below zero. It'll feel below zero. So wouldn't it be neat if they did that in summer? Like it's 95,000 degrees outside. You're on the beach, and they say, the wind chill today. We're going to have 13, 15 mile an hour breeze. The wind chill is going to feel like 88. Wind chill of 98 degrees, wind chill of 88 degrees. They don't do that. It's just the opposite. When in the summertime, they're like, oh, dangerous heat advisories. It's scalding at 92 degrees. It's going to feel like 105. They add it in. So it's always this ability to exaggerate what it feels like. And when you were a kid, they didn't do that. They just told you the temperature. It's going to be below freezing or not. You can have a wind chill of 20 and it won't snow if it's 35 degrees. Science. Or they should say science. Welcome back, folks. Chad Adams here, your guest host, sitting in for Pete Callender. Hope he's having a wonderful time. Great guy, great show, fantastic audience. You, yes, that audience. WBT, just amazing. News Talk 
WBT. Appreciate you being a part of things. You want to call in and get on the conversation? You want to yak, 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 talk to the host here? 704-570-1110. That's 570-1110. WBT welcomes the Light the Nights Festival, where you can make merry memories at Truist Field now through January 6th. There's a there's an ice skating rink and snow tubing hill. Plus, enjoy lights, show, live entertainment, holiday treats, Christmas trees, shopping Santa, and more. Brought in part by Piedmont Natural Gas. Share the warmth. So, want to make sure all of you knew about that. Hey, the folks in Raleigh just canceled their night of lights up there. Cancel it due to I guess bad weather. I don't know. That's Raleigh, not Charlotte. Charlotte teams, you guys are just bracing for epic cold flights. Canceled people without power. It would be awful. To be without power, it's getting ready to be ten degrees outside, maybe even single digits. Wishing all I'm not I'm not making light of that. It's a horrible thing. I mean, coming from the coast, uh, we have hurricane prone situations and water coming up into our homes. It's terrible. Sometimes though, life is short. You have to laugh. In the words of the immortal John McClain, "Yippee ki yay!" Right. So, having said that, you know we were reflecting on Doctor Vouchy's Grinchian view of the world. This this unbelievably you know, and I, I I have not been someone that's been overly critical of Fauci. I think people tried to beatify him, tried to make him into a saint. He's he's human, like anyone else. I think that he has a quite a bit of narcissism. Uh, that his way of looking at the world is always the correct way, not necessarily reflective of anybody who's ever been in a successful marriage, because nothing can humble you like a spouse. <laughs> they know you. They know the person that you're looking at in the mirror every day, and they can humble you. You know you've been wrong at times. So it is amazing, his his chagrined view, this very pessimistic that we're in an anti-science age. Uh, rather remarkable. I was you know, talking about a few things. Here we are on the cusp of going to Mars. We sent an unmanned probe around the moon and back landed. We send Pete. We set William Shatner, Captain Kirk, into space and brought him back down in a couple minutes and ninety a uh, uh, nanogenarian or whatever. So I probably got that wrong. Octogenarian. I'm not sure what the nineties would be, uh, but Biden will be there soon enough. Now, and and by the way, Fauci turns eighty two tomorrow. The man that's been guiding us is actually older than Biden, two years older than the president. And so if you thought that, that Biden maybe has a few steps off you know, the golf course, which if he's on a golf course, I'm not sure he knows he's on a golf course. But you know, I'm kind of reflecting on a more of a positive nature. Scientific breakthroughs have led to so many things. In fact, the ability to get food is, is a great leap forward in science and technology and capitalism. The fact that you can buy you know, any kind of fruit almost in the world at your supermarket – thousands of miles away from where it can actually grow, sometimes continents away from where it actually grows, you can get that almost any time of year, is, is remarkable. That There's a lot of science, you know, scientific breakthroughs and development that take place to make that happen. And I say that because it's a double-edged sword. I mean, you have access to stuff that's horrifically bad for you and will certainly lead to a shortened lifespan. In fact, the main reason lifespans aren't increasing is twofold. One, it's stupid violent crime, which is, is its own pandemic in many cities and places, but also you know, our ability to just become 300 pounders and to just eat what we want to when we want to, and then we want to live to be 100 years old. It just doesn't add up. But you can. You can do a lot to help. Take. There's a lot you can't do with certain medical conditions and genetic predispositions. There's so much you can't. But there's a lot you can. So the, the leaps forward in science are taking place in spite of what we do to ourselves. In spite of what we do to ourselves. So it is a remarkable time. It's a good time. The end of every 
you know, rhythm around the sun, every circle around that glowing orb up there, and we look back on the year we just had, and we look forward to the year ahead, most, the typical American perspective is that of optimism. At least it should be. If you read any of the founding fathers, you even read some of the kind of, kind of, I mean, Abraham Lincoln seems like a dark character, but if you read his writings, he did have this relentless belief in the future of the country. Most Americans, even through the most trying and dark times, we always, and Martin Luther King, I have a dream speech, is about the future, about this optimism, the house, the, the, the shining uh, star on the, the shining house on the hill. You know, the Reagan S, the thousand points of life with Bush. There, there's an optimism. Even Bill Clinton's Man from Hope, there's, there's always a relentless optimism about this country. So while I don't share Fauci's progressive darkness on science, I would say that as we, refl- as we look forward in this country, there are some things that are very disconcerting. I mean, for, I, I, was, I was reading the, the tweet of our governor. This is kind of funny. I'm, I'm reading the tweets of the governor, and he, he writes, Tu casa está lista para el clima inverno. Estos son algunos cojeos para asegurarse de que... He doesn't speak Spanish, but, but it's written in Spanish. I guess kind of the governor's acknowledgement that, that the border's been given up. North Carolina's a bilingual state now. There is no southern border. He's very optimistic about Is your home ready for the winter weather? Here are tips on making sure your home is ready. He's got it in Spanish and English. Right there. Lead tweet. One hour ago, the governor of the state of North Carolina tweeted that. Kind of an acknowledgement. Hey. Remember when you're on I-95 and you're heading south, you see those, hey, Pedro says, south of the border? <laughs> it's not that far south anymore. The border, there is no border. And again, I sound really optimistic. I'll get through some of this because I want to get to the war on Christmas and and how it is successful and how to push back on it. I want to get to the vision of America. I think that that's remarkable and it's critical that we have this vision of America. If we don't, then there really isn't anything to try to preserve, protect, and pass along. You know, as we looked at this $1.7 trillion omnibus bill, you have to think those people took leave of their senses. Nowhere in there is there, is there anything really about protecting the border. $44 billion for Ukraine? Now, I'm not putting down Ukraine. I think the Europeans ought to assume a lot more responsibility there, but that's me. But I do think we have an obligation to our own country that's not reflected in that absurd, absurd bill. Oh, Bernie's got some depressing music there. I'm picking on him. I appreciate him. Appreciate all the staff doing a great job. Chad Adams, your guest host, here on WBT News Talk 1110-993. If you want to get in on the conversation, I know it's the day. You're probably out there. I have a retail establishment, one of the many things I do in life. And uh, it's so funny the way men and women shop differently. Women, and and, and look, I'm an admirer. You're probably the smarter species to start with. In fact, I believe that many times. We've been much more primitive. Go hunt woolly mammoth. But women come in weeks. They're usually shot. They're planned out. Guys come in last minute, have no idea what they're going to get, what they want to get, what they want to get. I'm, I'm that way myself. I, it's day before the day. It's the eve of Christmas Eve. That's what today are. It's what it be. Today is the eve of Christmas Eve. 
So if you haven't done that shopping, guess what? You get to go out in the worst weather conditions. You freeze your butt off to try to get that last minute shopping done. Which takes me to my next subject matter, which is about Christmas, the war on Christmas, and, and kind of where we are. I, I saw two particular articles about it. And, and, and believe me, later on in the show, when we close the show out today, I've got one that you're just going to love. And it has to do with mosquitoes, the end of the world and mosquitoes. But not, not yet. We, we've got some time. Got some time till the end of the world and mosquitoes hit. But there's, there's one that's over at the Washington Times, and it's called The War on Christmas is a War on America. It's an opinion piece, but that's what a lot of talk radio is. It's, it's actual news intermixed with opinion. The other piece I want to get to is, and, and I'm not entirely sure the take on this, and, and let's go back a second. Anyone who's ever listened to me in, in my broadcast career would know that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of, the re, of what we call confirmation bias. We all have it. The best you can do, the, what makes a great journalist is the acknowledgement of confirmation bias. And if ever you're debating someone, what makes what will always make you a better debater is to acknowledge your own confirmation bias so that you can dig deeper and find truth, or at least expand your knowledge base. Because more, more often than not, people don't do those things. They have a confirmation bias, but they don't acknowledge it. And so when they report on things, you see this all the time. And, and a good example of that in kind of a an Orwellian way of looking at the world is, is what happened with the Hunter Biden laptop story. The confirmation bias was such a systemic problem in, in, in America's media that they didn't want to believe it was true. They didn't. They did. I mean, even NPR, National Public Radio, government funded radio went out of its way to say that wasn't a true story. You had allegedly 50 intel officials, which, by the way, all 50 of them, either former or current, they should resign and never be heard from again or issue apologies saying it was Russian dis disinformation. It wasn't. The only, the only media outlet that really had the wherewithal to publish it, as it was with facts, was the New York Post. The New York Post was subsequently banned from Twitter and other places for posting that story because of confirmation bias. They didn't want to believe it was true. So their instincts, rather than say, is it true, was to push away and say it wasn't true. So the, when I read pieces, I often look for what's, what's the slant of the writer, whether it's actual news or it's an opinion piece. A lot of times the opinion pieces are relatively easy. But, but let's get through this one. This is called The War The War on Christmas is Winning by David Graham. And it's, it's, an, it's a sobering view of our own country. And I'll get into more positive things about our country, but I want to go through this first. Do they know it's Christmas, the musician Bob Geldof once asked. Nearly three decades on, the answer in the United States is they know perfectly well, but what it means and how they express it kind of in, transi in transition. For years, conservatives have warned of a war on Christmas. Former President Donald Trump adopted it as a major cause, and nearly four in ten Americans said in a poll last December that politicians are waging a campaign to take religion out of the holiday. Liberals have scoffed at the idea that anyone is trying to downplay Christmas, dismissing the whole thing as the earnest paranoia of cynical politics. They are right that there's no coordinated push to downplay the holiday. There's a confirmation bias statement. There is a coordinated push. There's many people pushing against it. Or it's religious roots, but conservatives aren't exactly uh, aren't reacting to nothing. Christmas is becoming less of a religious holiday for millions of people. If a war on Christmas exists, 
It's gaining ground in a long battle of attrition. Americans still love Christmas, if not quite as much as they used to. In 1995, 96% of Americans celebrated the holiday. 96%. By 2019, that had dipped to 93%. What has changed significantly is the way people market. From 2005 to 2019, the portion of Americans who say their Christmas celebrations are quote-unquote strongly religious dropped from 47% to 35%. The group that says its celebration is somewhat religious has stayed pretty stable, going from 30% in 2005 to 32% in 2019. A majority of Americans are still willing to accept Christmas displays on public property, at least when they're combined with Hanukkah displays. But that number sank from almost three quarters in 2014 to two thirds in 2017. So as you get on through this, it appears that people weren't afraid to say Merry Christmas. They just didn't care. A real shift has occurred, not because of animosity, but because of apathy. In 2005, roughly equal portions of Americans told Pew Research that they wanted stores to say Merry Christmas and that they didn't care what stores said. And with another 12% favoring happy holidays or season's greetings, over the next decade, those numbers diverged. By 2017, less than a third preferred Merry Christmas, while more than half, 52%, said it didn't matter what greeting stores used. When people offer a holiday greeting, do you hear what I hear? Kind of a play on words there. It depends a lot on where you live and with whom you're talking to. 538, another polling firm, drawing on data from the Public Relations Research Institute, showed sharp regional differences. This shouldn't surprise many of you, especially Charlottians and people from North Carolina. In a 2016 analysis, perhaps unsurprisingly, the West and the Northeast, generally more liberal, so we're talking about Oregon, Washington, California, New York, Jersey, up, up north, generally more liberal areas, lean toward happy holidays over Merry Christmas. It's not, however, the conservative South that leads the way for Merry Christmas. The region is almost evenly split. Now imagine that, because you look at Georgia and look at the voting trends in Georgia, that doesn't surprise you, does it? Or even in North Carolina, because you have a very thin line between Democrats and Republicans in this state. Democrat governor, Republican senators. So, I mean, that doesn't show, but if you're, you're much more likely to say Merry Christmas if you're a conservative. But the number one region that says Merry Christmas is the Midwest. Age also makes up a difference. Millennials, much more likely than previous generations to see Christmas as cultural rather than religious, a reversal of how older Americans feel. And 2018 NPR PBS Marist poll found that 53% of millennials prefer happy holidays. The big shift behind these changes is that even when all the faithful come, they are a shrinking group. And Christianity in particular is in steep, steep decline. Robert Jones, PRRI's president and founder, told the author that the shift goes hand in hand with an increase in the number of Americans who identify as not religious at all. As a portion of the population, adherence to religions other than Christianity have barely increased over the last half century. But unaffiliated Americans are now a big share of the population, even in religious states. Younger adults who are religiously unaffiliated are also now much more likely to marry religiously unaffiliated partners. In 2021, as he left office, Trump declared that he had triumphed against the war on Christmas. When I started campaigning, you're going to say Merry Christmas again. And now people are saying it, but this seems like yet another premature victory and some other unfulfilled promise. If anything, the religious element of Christmas is slipping in importance. Now, I don't, I don't say that to be negative. We'll talk more about that after the break.
WBT. Chad Adams, your guest host, sitting in for Pete Callender. Woohoo! Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Do you have one? You probably do. You, you probably see it. My brother in law watches Die Hard every year. I never, you know, I never really understood the whole other than it taking place at Christmas time. There's nothing about that movie that's Christmas, but it is. If enough people say it's true in the you know newspeak way of looking at things, it's true. So Die Hard. A Christmas movie, in spite of the fact that it's really not. But it is, because that's the truth. It's what people say. It's not what it is. It's what people say it is. Male, female, gender fluidity. It's a social construct. Had some doctors that were visiting. I traveled with him not too long ago, and, and they, they just, one was an OBGYN, and he just marvels at this whole sex stuff in the U.S. He just can't believe we, we even have that as a discussion. Doesn't fly with him, but... Okay. He's a young guy, too. Now, going on to the, the vision of this country. Now, I just went through this war on, and, and that war on Christmas, and that author, even though there was a little bit of advice, I felt it, it was giving kind of a bird's eye view of where we are. The younger folks are, the less likely they are to affiliate Christmas with anything religious. The, the, we don't even know what the younger than young, the generation, Z, the Z generation, whatever, but millennials, by and large, moving in that secular direction, America moving in that secular direction, I think there is some intent there. I don't think it's just simply that time passes. I think there's absolutely some intent. The left has been very successful in moving our country away from many of the beliefs that are, that are underpinning the foundations of, of what we are. The second column on this is an opinion piece over at the Washington Times by Don Fetter. And it's about the war on Christmas is a war on America. And I, I tend to agree with that. It's, it's not that it's a direct, but I do think that the progressive left wants to see a fundamentally different country that many of the founders would find very foreign with respect to a value system. And I'm not talking about they would find it strange that there are cars on the road, you know, horseless carriages. No, I'm saying from a value proposition, what the country would look like if the, if the progressive left was unfettered, in other words, if there was no pushback, there was no you, if the entire country looked like Portland and Seattle and L.A. and New York City, what would the nation look like? What kind of value system would it have? And this is over to the column. The left hates Christmas. And again, this is, this is, a, this is a hard-hitting piece. And there is no way we'll get to all of here, but we'll get through a lot of it. The left hates Christmas because it hates all expressions of faith in our society. On a deeper level, however, the war on Christmas is... A war on America. In many ways, Christmas is as much an American holiday as a Christian holiday. No trees or tinsel in Bethlehem. Today, only 63% of Americans call themselves Christians. 93% celebrate Christmas. In other words, almost a third of those who celebrate Christmas are not Christians. Now, you, you got to let that one sink in for a minute, don't you? As you go, okay. More than Thanksgiving, Memorial Day or the 4th of July, Christmas unites us as a people. Anything that brings Americans together, the left fears, like the flag, the national anthem, statues of heroes. That's reflected in the fact, you know, uh, to push, the, it reflects in the push to get Christmas trees out of public parks and libraries, which have no problem celebrating Pride Month and having Drag Queen Story Hour and the Holy War against holiday decorations in schools and other public places. Sales staff risk life and limb by wishing customers a Merry Christmas. 
The mainstream media tries to gaslight us by telling us the war on Christmas was invented by conservative groups to raise money and mobilize the base. You can't really make this kind of stuff up. The King County Washington Human Rights Commission has banned Christmas and Hanukkah decorations in the workplace of county employees, including virtual workspaces. Even holiday-themed clothing is forbidden. Some employees may not share your religion, practice any religion, or share your enthusiasm. A memo from the commission explains this exquisite sensitivity applies to religious holidays. Everyone must take part in Pride Month and do homage to Black Lives Matter. Now, this is interesting. Think about this. You, you, you allegedly have the right, right? You don't have the right to go harm people, but you do have the right to offend people. Offending someone is not the same as harming someone, but we, we've lost that. But back to the column. On the other side of the continent, the world Christmas has taken a nasty turn. The Needham, Massachusetts Public Library decided it would break 28 years of tradition by not displaying a Christmas tree this year because unnamed people said that last year the evergreen made them feel uncomfortable. Because feeling uncomfortable is the new way of being offended. I feel uncomfortable. You need to do something to compensate me. It's, it's a rather remarkable thing. So after that public outcry, the library relented. The reversal in turn set off a number of the town's human rights commissions uh, who went full Grinch calling the lady who championed the tree's return a selfish effing bee and disgusting trash who had somehow endangered the lives of municipal workers because that's what your magic sky daddy wants. Uh, this is the kind of stuff. If the right invented the war on Christmas, why are there so many enemies of Yuletide cheer who range from the mildly obnoxious to the downright hysterical? In part, it's a sense of entitlement. Liberals believe they have a right to not be confronted with signs of a holiday they don't celebrate. But it goes way beyond that to a national identity matter. The left is for everything that divides us. Multiculturalism, critical race theory, sexual indoctrination in the schools, unisex bathrooms, and against everything that brings us together. Nothing brings Americans together like Christmas. And I say that as a non-Christian, not me. The author is a non-Christian. For most Americans, Christmas brings happy childhood memories, fluffy snowflakes, colored lights, tinsels, mounds of presents, decorated trees, and stories about flying sleighs and a jolly old gent who resembles your favorite uncle. Not your least favorite, Uncle. Christmas seems to be a uniquely American holiday. Irving Berlin's White Christmas, I'll Be Home for Christmas, Miracle on 34th Street. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus and memories of a time before homeless encampments, illegal aliens streaming across the border, fentanyl and men in ball gowns, demanding their inalienable right to invade ladies' shower and changing room. Christmas reminds us of a time when America was sane, the normalcy for which many of us still long. Merry Christmas is an expression of goodwill and hope for the future. Optimism is another American virtue. The war on Christmas isn't just another dimension of the culture war, but psych warfare against Americans. Like Natalie Wood's character in 30, Miracle on 34th Street, we must believe and keep right on believing that there's a mystical connection between Christmas and America. Be back after this here on the Pete Callender Show. Your guest host, Chad Adams, Hour 2, getting ready to be underway. You don't want to miss it.